Hello, everyone. My name is Brennan Marr, that noisy hearing sled ventilator. Welcome to the Guest Awakens, presented by Page Turners. They were not my Star Wars podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. She is the co host of Tarkin's Top Shelf, a literary Star Wars podcast and an all-around awesome member of the geek community. It's Becca Benjamin. Hi, Becca. Hi, Brennan. Thank you so much. That was very kind of you. Oh, you know, it's awesome being able to, you know, sit down and have a bookish chat. So mm -hmm. it's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah no, no problem. I've been enjoying your podcast. Thank you. And, Thank you uh, very much. Always some wonderful things. That you guys say with your partner mark Suter. yes yes we both try and keep it positive that's our number one rule mm -hmm. so <laughs> that's good that's what i try to do as well we need that community of positivity yes we do there's always going to be those that want to ruin it all yes yes those definitely who... not enough light <laughs> those who thought the message of the last jaw dog was destroy everything it's like mm, mm. anyhow but uh thanks for being here thank you again for having me this is I'm nice excited. i'm excited to talk about star wars books so uh before we begin though i want to let our audience and me get to know you a little bit more so I got a couple of Star Wars questions. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Yeah. So our first question I always ask is, how did you come to Star Wars? Wow. Um, well, um, I was brought into it um, very early on. I happened to be around for the original trilogy. Um, so the very first Star Wars was my first movie experience. Um, my brother's two years older, so of course he was all excited about this new movie coming out. My mother was a big sci-fi fan, so this mm -hmm. was right on the list. So I was just about to turn four when I got to see um, Star Wars, which is A New Hope now. Um, it's just and, Star Wars around here. Yeah, just Star Wars around here, right. So I got sucked in early. Um, I don't think my family expected me to be the one to be this hooked on it um mm -hmm. yes my brother had all the toys you know he mm -hmm. had all that stuff but, but um I've continued on with it more so now it's him calling me after certain shows or movies like well explain this to me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm the one who kept up with it so something about it just you know kind of stuck with me um I became a closet fan early on being a girl most of my you know girlfriends at the time being early eighties, um, just weren't into stuff like that. You know, mm -hmm. I was the one that would love the animated Hobbit. That was me. None mm -hmm. of my friends were into it. I loved the last unicorn, all that stuff, uh, sci-fi yes. fantasy, yes. all that jazz. That was on me. So, you know, you do what you can. Then when the prequels hit, you know, young adult age there, I just was starting to have kids. Um, that was kind of like the birth of the internet too. So starwars.com was a thing. It just started. So of course I, you know, subscribed to that. 
I got a blog because back then you could have hyperspace blogs. You had to pay for it, but it was mm. worth it. Yeah. I met a lot of people that way. And that's really what got me, you know, getting into where I'm at now, because through that, I met so many different people. Um, and I met Steve Anderson that way, who is a Lucasfilm artist. And we started talking because I used to do fanfic at the time. Mm. <laughs> and um, he asked for my number. It's appropriate I, or said, inappropriate. Yeah, but... <laughs> he said he he felt bad after he did. It. He's like, this sounds creepy. But he was he asked me for my phone number for a specific reason. Mm. He liked my fanfic so much. He wanted to ask me to be his author for his titles for all this Star Wars celebration art. So since 2007, I've been titling all of his Star Wars art. So nice. and that's, you know, it, it's, it's awesome. And he did, he knows it sounded creepy, but he wasn't meant to be creepy, <laughs> but it worked out well. We've been friends ever since. And through that, you know, I've met other people and I did, you know, I used to write for um, coffee with Kenobi back when they had the blogs. Um, Cause Dan and I met on the hyperspace um, subscription and that's how we became friends. And so, you know, one thing led to another from blogging into podcasting. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just been quite the journey and I'm still hanging in there, surprisingly. That's good. It's good. We need more girls who are proud Star Wars fans. Yeah, you know, I, I look da- up to my pioneers. Are your daughters proud Star Wars fans? My daughters are. Um, My oldest is going to be 26 in September. She's a big and always will be Princess Leia fan Um, from the original trilogy. She just loves that whole arc. Um, she's a big Raylo fan. <laughs> mm. She just is, it, you know, hey. Um, I mean, you know, I am to a degree. Right. You know, but that's, I feel like that's their Star Wars. That's their, where their age group falls into, you know? Mm-hmm. And then my other daughter is my middle child. Um, she is a Star Wars fan, but she's more on the animation side of Star Wars. Like she loves Ahsoka Tano and the Clone Wars, Rebels. You know, she likes the Mandalorian too, but she's more that side of things. And then mm-hmm. my son, my son is 21. He is my diehard. Um, mm-hmm. He came with me to celebration uh, back when they were numbered. Um, I think it was, oh no, it was after being numbered. It was celebration in Orlando, but it was back in 2010. So maybe it was numbered then. I don't remember how they did him, but he went with me when he was little. He was eight years old. Mm-hmm. We met Dave Filoni, um, really random, just random, but it was great. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's just been one of those things, you know, he's grown up with it. Um, he's so excited. He buys Legos every Friday, you know, he can't miss a show. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I mean, it's passed on. It's generational, which is wonderful. That's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. I'm trying to do that with my nieces and nephews. Keep it going. I and mean, they're, how they're little are they? Star Wars fans. Um, the oldest, are, they're 10. And the youngest oh, is, okay. is uh, just turned one. So. Okay, so Young Jedi Adventures would be perfect. Yep. <laughs> yeah, love it. Nubs, Nubs Nation. Absolutely, 100%. Go blue. Yes. <laughs> yep. I, I, one of these days, I hope to get to meet you, Bradley Baker. Yes, he's a wonderful, wonderful man. We had a um, lovely opportunity to uh, sit on the round table with the Bad Batch. So that was mm, nice. Yes, he's a yes. yeah, very nice man. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, it's exciting that you got to do that. So yeah, now, it was. question number two. Mm-hmm. Now, I was just listening to one of your thought guests a minute ago. And you heard you say you're not really into calling something a favorite. No. <laughs> so, what is your go to Star Wars film? Let's put it that way. There we go. Yes, exactly. Go to. Go to seems to always fall with the original Star Wars. And I think it's just mm-hmm. because it's the one that always feels so complete when you watch it and it always ends on that happy note of hope, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's where I land. And I also just think it's a, just all around. It's a good feeling. Um, and I think it's just because that's where I started. And if it's not that I tend to go to rogue one, which is kind of sort of the opposite. Cause a lot of bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But again, it lands on Leia with hope. So yep. I, yep. I think I tend to stick to those two as my go-to, but I love them all. It's like yeah. choosing children. You just can't do that. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I'm that way too, yeah. Uh, so I have to ask, who is your favorite Star Wars character? Well, it does fluctuate, but my heart will always belong to Anakin Skywalker, the sky guy, Darth Vader, um, mm. because he is one and the same. I, I'm very, I'm very drawn to conflicting characters. I think it just makes them stand out more. Um, it just makes them that much more interesting because they're flawed. They're not perfect and they make mistakes and they have to make hard choices and they don't always choose correctly um and that's like any one of us we're only human yeah um at the end of the day you know sometimes we make a bad choice you know and we might not pay for it right away but eventually you do um anyway i think that's why i kind of land with him um you know it's it's interesting because i know the embargo dropped but it's not released until the 18th um is cat is kind of right up there now uh, with Rise of the Red Blade. There's just oh, something. Oh yeah, yeah. You've been talking about that. I am just captivated by this character and all the choices and the conflict and the in- internal emotion that she goes through constantly. It's just, I just had a hard time putting the actual book down. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I again, it's like Ventress too. You just again, it's that. That contrast from what we're used to, you know, Luke Skywalker always seemed just always to do the right thing. Or, you know, of course, we see later on down the road, not so much, right? Because um, you walk that life of experience and things change, things happen, you know, you age and whatnot. Yeah. But so, yeah, the more conflict there is, the more I'm attracted to that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. And of course, we all love the Sky Guy. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, Anakin, as Anakin, in the Clone Wars, was the good man that Obi-Wan talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously struggling with his own troubles. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, that was the good guy that Darth Vader was underneath. Um, and a great character, and, and obviously... Um, Ahsoka has expanded so much upon the character of Anakin. And, of course, the Obi-Wan series got Hayden to come back, which is really cool. 
just all the dimensions we're getting to see of Anakin is it, really great. It's really fun. So it's a good choice. Do you think that the Vader part might be because of how indelible that image is? The first appearance of Darth Vader in A New Hope. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's just it. I mean, <clears throat> he has such a strong presence that first moment that we see him in mm -hmm. the very first Star Wars. He walks through that corridor and wow it's like it just hits you like a it's a, a big smack in the face you know and you feel mm -hmm. it but what's weird is even at an early age <laughs> i was drawn to him yeah and no, you good. know yeah i mean my fourth birthday cake was a darth vader cake trimmed with pink icing my mother didn't understand why i had to have him of course it was darth vader um darth at that vader. time yeah. yes um, she, you know, couldn't understand why I didn't want the princess. I didn't want the princess. And I just mm -hmm. would always tell her he just needs a hug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's weird because there were a lot of people who felt that way. Yeah. I mean, we weren't wrong. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. It, it, but a lot of people were there. There was something sympathetic in it. To degree. And then, of course, we get later in the trilogy and it becomes even more sympathetic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's a good choice. It's a very good choice. Thank you. The bonus question. It's going to be a crazy one. What is your most controversial Star Wars opinion? Oh. Wow. Or one of. One of. <laughs> one of? Um, Unless wow. you have one that's going to completely blow the doors off. Yeah. Um wow um i don't know if i really have anything it's a safe space i mean yeah no yeah um you <laughs> know i adore ray i and i adore the fact that she chose skywalker um for her her name now you know um being mm -hmm. adoptive because throughout mm -hmm. star wars you know most of the characters that we follow are orphaned and yep. choose a name and yep. i don't think there's anything wrong and i love that um and, you know, I'm okay with her birth name being a Palpatine. I didn't, you know, I kind of always felt they were going that way. I know most people are like, really? That's the best they could do. But well, because the music, you listen to her theme. It, it like was in there theme. from The Force Awakens. It was in there. You can hear the music. Yeah. You can hear the music. And in the book, the, the voice talking to her at that moment when she's dueling with her, you know, her and Kylo Ren are facing yeah. off right there's that seductive voice and it's a masculine voice and it's like you know that's him and the way she's mm. you know fighting him too like, granted she's always fought with a staff so it made mm -hmm. sense anyway but it's still the same quick stabbing that we saw Palpatine do in Revenge mm -hmm. of the Sith mm -hmm. but all that being said the fact that she was a Palpatine didn't rub me wrong because being a book nerd that we are <clears throat> Chuck Wendig did that aftermath trilogy, which I, I love that trilogy. The breadcrumbs are there that we were going to get something very Palpatine twist in there. Mm. I think he was already laying the groundwork. He may not have known that <laughs> when he was doing it, but that's how, he, you know, that was his story to tell in those books. So that never bothered me. I also this might be more controversial than anything is that I do align myself with 
what Dave Filoni said a couple days ago um, on the journey to Ahsoka with. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. And he did say that, you know, Ahsoka was trained by the greatest Jedi of all time, Anakin Skywalker. And there was a lot of like, yeah, the internet was that? like burned down. Right. And, but they have and to I remember. Agreed with it too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you were saying, at the time of the Clone Wars, he was at his height. Um, they weren't typical Jedi anymore. They weren't peacekeepers. They were general in a war. They were generals in a mm, war. Yeah. Yeah. So think about it. The greatest Jedi at that time period of the Clone Wars, who was the one that would lead campaigns front and center, front lines, and never lose one? Anakin Skywalker. He never lost yeah. one. Never did. So he really was at that specific time the greatest Jedi. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to look at it that way. He wasn't, you know, no, he wasn't a Qui-Gon Jinn. Absolutely not. Um <laughs> No. That you know, <laughs> no. Qui Gon in his own right is one heck of a. Qui Gon is the man. He is, you know. Um, but yeah, I think, and I've and I've said this. I said this. Uh, we got an opportunity in 2022 at Star Wars Celebration to. Um, I do... got to go to that one. Did you? Yes, I, I did. I, okay, yeah. we got to do the um, Ahsoka panel. Uh, on the fan stage um it it was my friend Ryder's um idea and it 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 got chosen so we were thrilled um so Ryder is from Idiots Array Pod so it was mm-hmm. Ryder myself Mark Suter and Anne Comfrey um and for those who don't know Anne go follow her on Instagram she's um she is the Mrs. Falone <laughs> mm. and the author of Bug from um the Clone Wars anthology book but um mm. So that said, I did say at that panel that I don't believe in this timeline where we're going with Ahsoka, with the series, um, I don't think she would have survived as long as she has, had it not been partially for Anakin's unorthodox training. No other Jedi master would have trained her in the ways and those tools that she needs to do what she's doing. Yeah, I can't think of one that would do it. Right. And we might have, I mean, it. Most Jedi might have frowned upon the way he he trained her, but good grief! It's like maces or master master. Oh, good grief! <sighs> I mean, he called her civilian. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yes, we we uh, we are agreed <laughs> that Mace Windu might be one of the worst Jedi. Ever. Well, I wouldn't he's say great, worst. He's a great warrior. Yes. But he certainly is he's very dogmatic. Oh, absolutely. To um, the point of it destroying him, basically. Yeah, you know, and I think his version of training is almost like I don't want to say bullying, but I think he would make you feel so bad about yourself thinking that would make you do better. Yeah. Yeah. And I sometimes that doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, I think Mark um, could mention that on one of your podcasts. Yes. Today. Yeah. And I, I agreed with that. I'm like, you know, yeah, yeah he's yeah, that's he would problematic. be like he would he would have told Anakin Volta and you stink. <laughs> I'm sure he has. We just haven't well, seen that episode yet. That, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, um, yeah, I mean some of them just no. Anakin, yes. Yeah. 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 I, I so, think I agreed with you. So I survived that long because of him. All right, and now I got it. You know, it's funny your two controversial opinions. 
are opinions I completely agree with. Well, and my controversial opinion, this might get me in trouble. I think Jin Erso is a boring character. <gasps> really? But let me clarify. In the third act of Rogue One, she's great. Leading up to that, I find her to be very boring. But hmm. we had that third act, and now I do like Jin Erso. So it just was getting there. I was like, uh. I was like, do something, show some emotion. So, anyhow, that that's mine. Have you read Rebel Rising? I have not, unfortunately. Maybe I should. I recommend it. It might lead or shed some light as to why you didn't see much emotion <laughs> until that moment. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I recommend it. It's a really, really good read. Again, there's a lot of things that happen in the books that I wish we would have gotten something on the screen for other yeah. people to oh, yeah. see it. But that's just me. Yeah, And no disrespect, of course, to uh, Felicity Jones, who's great. Yes, she is. And Rogue One is great. Oh, absolutely. All right. Awesome. So real quick, before we jump into our main topic, we've had some big stuff this week. With the second Ahsoka trailer. Hmm. And I have only watched it once, and I watched it very small screen because I didn't want to see, you know, overanalyze too much. Because I just want to go in and be completely surprised. But what I did see of the Rebel stuff got me very happy. Because Star Wars Rebels, I think, is my overall favorite Star Wars show. It's a close call with Andor. Though I think, to be very clear, to those listening, I am not on the Andor is so much better than the other shows train. No, no, no. When I heard that, that just drove me absolutely nuts. When people were saying that, when Andor was out. They were like, this is what Star Wars should be. And I'm like, no. I'm like, this is what this story should be, not what Star Wars should be. However, that being said, it does, I think, have some of the best writing, acting, directing that we've seen in Star Wars. And before I get up my soapbox, I have to say this. Where are the acting nominations for Andor? It's got a lot of nominations. It I didn't did, see I didn't, didn't see get the acting. Any acting nominations. Right. I'm surprised too. It got I mean, none. No acting nominations. But here's the thing, going through history when it comes to Star Wars, typically well, there usually isn't any acting nominations for no, Star Wars. No, 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 no. So I Sir get Alec that. Guinness was like the only one. Yeah. And I get that, but like you said, Andor, like, wow. I mean, the cast is just like... Yeah, where's the Andy Serkis' nomination? Right. right. Where's Fiona Shaw's nomination? Right. Where's Denise Goff's nomination? That's what I wanted to see. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Where's Stellan Skarsgård's nomination? Yeah. Or Genevieve (laughs) O'Reilly? You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, Andor is, for me, a completely different flavor 
when it comes to Star Wars. It's its own animal. Um, you know, there's nothing force sensitive in sight, nothing. It's no. just about the people, you know, standing up for what they believe is right and, you know, how they're being treated and what that looks like. And you're really following along with that because, yeah, we've heard about it, but we get to finally see it. And mm -hmm. it's shocking. Like at first, there's it that is. shock value. It is. Um, it's hard to watch at times because yeah, when it when it first came out, real world stuff was happening too. I mean, it is happening, but you know, and it kind of overlapped, so it was kind of hard for it to you know to take it in. Um, but it is so it's beautiful. It's like hauntingly beautiful, I guess you can say. Yeah. Um, and it is so different. It's so gritty. And that to me, it's something George would have done if he had the opportunity to go to TV early on. Um, Cause it's just that grit that, you know, we hear so much about, but we never really got to experience it. But with this we did, and there's some really uh, traumatic scenes, you know, mm -hmm. with, with Bix. I mean, I really had a hard time watching those, yeah. you know, torturing scenes. I yeah. just, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. There's a lot of standout, you know, acting that should have been, you know, yeah, nominated. It was, it, was, it was succession and the white Lotus stole all the nominations. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So if they hadn't maybe Andrew would have got some. Right. That's true. But as we've discovered with the history of star Wars, awards don't mean a thing to star Wars. So going back, I guess I'll get off my Pandora soapbox, but all the Rebels stuff we saw in the Ahsoka trailer. Yeah. Because Rebels is my favorite of the shows. And seeing, I mean, Natasha looks just like Sabine. <sighs> it's insane. Unless she looks just like her. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead looks great as Hera just so many others and, and i'm sure we'll see zeb show up yeah if he can get away from the rangers for a bit yeah, yeah, yeah i think yeah. you know he looked great i yes, mean he did i wasn't I, I was not expecting that so i was just mm -hmm. like you know the mouth just dropped like it said yeah, zeb. that was very unexpected and it was wonderful that they kept that on the down low i love it um but yeah no you're absolutely right um sabine looks like she just came out of the animation, just walked out, mm -hmm. you know, just walked out yeah. there and she just absolutely radiates. And I love, again, to me, that last trailer, it's Star Wars at its best. It's Dave at, at his best. He loves to, which you know, if you're a Rebels fan, which you are, mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. loves to tear at our heartstrings. And this trailer yeah, does that. Like the yeah, too. he he just you know, and the whole parallels in between Sabine and Canaan was mm, there. Mm, you know, the mm. whole meditation, right? You know, with her helmet right in front of her, the you with know the the, hair, the yeah. cutting of the hair. That's a ritual. You know, she's going through the very same steps. Canaan also did a very there. Mulan moment. Yes, yes, absolutely, because she's letting go of what you know of one thing and moving forward towards another yep. Yep. and it's just was beautifully done the way it was shot the lighting all of it um you know 
one thing I did notice in that trailer uh, is what a stark contrast between who Ahsoka is, or at least what we're supposed to believe who Ahsoka is right now versus her former master. And what I mean is she's emotionally detached Mm -hmm. where Anakin could never do that. (laughs) She like, and it, it sheds light on why she turned down mentoring Groku. It Mm -hmm. really did because you hear that conversation between Hera, right? You know, Mm -hmm. talking about how, you know, that, well, I'm sure your master had some, you know, problems with you too, whatever, whatever. And I'm just paraphrasing, obviously. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, she's like, no, I walked away from Anakin, you know, just like I walked away from her, you know, she, because he never got to finish the training because she left. She's making Mm -hmm. it crystal clear that she left Anakin. She left Sabine. The question is why? We know why she left Anakin in the order, but why did she leave Sabine? But then I yeah. also thought to myself, here's one for you. Cause you're such a big rebels fan. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about this the other day. Cause I was watching it again. When she says that line that Anakin never finished my um, training. I left Anakin and I left Sabine too. When she says I left Anakin. Now, is she referring to the first time or is she referring to that time when she fought against him in the season finale of Rebels season two. Mm-hmm. So which left is she talking about? Well, it's interesting because she says, I won't leave you, not again. Right, but well, she she's did. fighting Vader and then she does. But not necessarily run free will because Ezra pulled her through. So. But she also told him, you have to put me back. Yeah. And he does, yeah. but we don't see what happens there. We just see the back of her head. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's, well, that's my favorite episode of Rebels, so, yeah. Absolutely. Yes, so it'd be interesting to see where we go um, a little more than a month, and apparently we get two episodes. I think it's going to be eight episodes, and I heard a rumor Oh. that the episodes are going to be like an hour long. Oh, yes. I like that. <laughs> I hope that rumor is true. So, too. That's so like a, it's exciting time what an exciting yeah. time yeah yeah i'm excited you know i mean i think if there's one character that deserves this type of showcasing it's ahsoka um she's earned it um you know it's funny because i'm in that camp when she was first introduced in 2008 i think it was eight or seven possibly it was like i think in the insider magazine that you know anakin was going to have a padawan in the clone wars animated movie i'm like what are you talking about anakin never had a padawan like <laughs> i was not thrilled at all yeah, about this i was also on the train of oh my gosh this character's so annoying right like no way this didn't happen you know but you know i think we were still calling off the prequel era oh yeah yeah because there was no mention of this. Why, you know, what, what are you talking about? Well, and everybody was still ranting and raving about how much they hated the prequels at the time. See, and I didn't hate them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but again, and, I was in my know, 20s. You know, what's so funny think... is, I think I ended up jumping on the bandwagon without realizing that I was letting other people's opinions. Gotcha. Sure. And only a few years ago did I go, wait a minute, that's not my opinion. So, but yeah, uh, 
but it's exciting to see that now Ahsoka is one of the most beloved characters. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in the occasion that I meet somebody who hates the character, that's a red flag to me. And that's shocking because the message she represents has always been, you know, basically, to, you know, today is a new day. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we can be better today than what we were yesterday. And I think she, she basically is that notion walking around you know she just always wants to do better than she was yesterday and you know Ashley really deserves a lot of credit because she brought that character to life mm-hmm. um and now the torch is being passed and I think team Tano is in good hands here with both of these mm-hmm. ladies um and I'm excited I'm excited for what this brings now for both of them so mm-hmm. I think it's great. Awesome. And we don't have to wait long. So it's an exciting time. Absolutely. All right. So your podcast, Tarkin Starfield, deals primarily with the books of Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, Certainly we're in a plethora of that right now. So let's go back to the very beginning. The very first Star Wars novel was the adaptation of the screenplay by, uh, well, by George Lucas, but actually by Alan D. Foster, which was released in November of 1976. Wow. The adaptation of that. Now, I've read the original novel, which is based, I think, on the screenplay there's a few differences. I think it might be based on the third draft of the screenplay. I'm not sure. Uh, so it's it's an interesting read. I don't know if you've read it. If I, you know what, it's been a while, but I think I didn't read the first editions. You know, mm-hmm. um, I believe I read them sometime out of high school, so I don't believe it would have been the first. You know, it, it would have been redone a few mm, times because I yeah. know how how George is. Um, yeah. <laughs> With rewrites and things and reproductions of everything that's you know has his name on it. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, no, it's it's been some time. But most of those adaptations of the films are different. They they have yeah, some discrepancies. Yeah. Even in the prequel ones, I mean, yep. it's the same thing. So. Yep. But the first Star Wars novel that told an original story. It's Alan Dean Foster's Splinter of the Mind's Eye in 1978. That's uh, I have not gotten to read that one, but I hear that one is very strange. Yes, in terms of being very different than what we expect. Yes, um, I do feel a couple of ideas from that has been brought to fruition through other characters. That's true. You know, um because i think ray follows along very similar situations that leia was put into at that time interesting um, yeah and we do get a hint of in rise of skywalker you know we get that little interlude moment which i would love to get more of leia's training um mm-hmm. so i think that's in that book again they're not siblings 
um, obviously. And there's that she's, you know, conflicted Leia between how she feels about Luke, how she feels about Han, which goes throughout even in the original trilogy anyway. But, um, you know, she does have her own there. She does, I believe, wield Luke's lightsaber in that book. Um, Mm -hmm. And so she does have her own strength. That's something that's really stuck with that character, which I love the fact that they allowed and gave agency to Leia in that way. Um, And it never, it never quieted. You know, she was always like, you're going to hear me one way or the other, either through the voice or through her actions. Um, So yeah, it is, it was an interesting take, but I think also had, um, now the names are escaping me, but had the other writers besides J.J. Uh, Abrams, who ended up doing Rise Skywalker. Um, why do I want to say Collins? Colin Trevorrow. That's it. Okay. Had he done his version, I think it would have really aligned itself with that a bit. Like I said, I think Ray would have followed more of that yeah. type of situation. Um, but again, we have what we have. <laughs> There's no going back. There's no retconning the films. Sorry. <laughs> It just yep. doesn't happen. So whether you like it or not, that's what yep. this is what we have. And I'm good with it. So yeah. You know, but um, yeah, definitely an interesting thing. But again, you have to remember at the time that that book was written in 78, I don't think George no. believed he would be able to do the other two. No, no, no. Yeah. Like there's a theory that that uh Splinter of the Mind's Eye was based on an idea that George had to make another movie on the cheap. If if Star Wars proved to be not a success. So right. But he couldn't have been more wrong. So then for the next 13 years, the only books that come out. You have the Han Solo trilogy, which mm-hmm. is Han Solo at Star's End. Han Solo's Revenge and Han Solo and the Lost Legacy. And then you have the Calrissian Chronicles that's got a nice little mention in Solo mm-hmm. of the Lando Calrissian Adventures. Now, I read two of the Han Solo Adventures and that's it, of this particular group. Um, and then from 1983 to 1991, there are no novels. Right. Now, I was born in 1985, so I was born in the the era when Star Wars was kind of gone. Yeah, the dark times. The dark times, <laughs> The yes. dark times, yes. But then, of course, and this is important, particularly considering that Ahsoka is coming out. 1991, The Dam Bursts. Heir to the Empire is published by Timothy Zahn. Which I read that that is my favorite Star Wars trilogy of novels. And I've heard that from quite a few people. I really have to read those. I mean, I've yes. read all the new Thrawn stuff, obviously, which yes. I love. Um, yes, you got to read the original Thrawn trilogy. It's really good. You know, and I'm again. I like Thrawn, um, and I've been known Our to favorite say this. Blue boy, yay! Yes, that blue guy, as Ezra likes to call it looks him, looks like Elon Musk as a as a chess. 
know. How terribly appropriate. <laughs> um, no, I really do like Thrawn's character. Um, again, it's all that conflict and what's going on because, you know, especially with the newer books that are out there, I just don't feel he's what everyone perceives him to be. I don't think he's evil, evil, if that makes sense. I'm not saying uh, he's a great guy. I'm not, I'm not I, saying that. I have a slight rebuttal. Yeah. I just think he's really, I, I think his loyalties will always lie completely with the Chiss. Yeah. And I don't think he's loyal to the Empire at all. Not what they think. I think he's only aligned himself. There's a difference with the empire to see if he can gain anything from their knowledge to pass along to benefit the chiss i don't feel it's anything that has to do with loyalty on the empire i just think again it's an alignment for now because it's a necessity to bring home to the chiss it's It's very interesting because there's been a lot of talk and i've heard this is used as a complaint from some people that there is an inconsistency. That Thrawn is a villain in Rebels, but a hero in the books. And my argument, I have a counter-argument to that. Okay. Which is, it's a matter of perspective. If you're writing from the perspective of the Empire, like Eli Danto and some of the other characters, we get it through their eyes. Thrawn is a hero to them. In the eyes of the rebels, he's a villain. Right. So the reason why he seems like a hero in the Thrawn books is because of whose story we're getting. That, to me, is why he seems like a hero in their eyes. But I think Rebels, to me, clearly shows that he is a villain. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those where who's telling the story? Well, and that's just it, because in Thrawn Alliances, he teams up with Anakin and Padme. Yes. And again, he aligns himself with them because it benefits him at the time. That's what I'm saying. He aligns himself and he's not coming off as a total bad guy. Does he have some moments? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Padme is side-eyeing him like the whole time. Um, (laughs) But then, you know, through the, the word of the day is listen to Padme, everybody. Oh, absolutely. Which I always love to say this when it comes to our dear Ahsoka. It's we get this from the novel. I don't know if you've read her um novel by I've not e. read the e. No, I haven't. Okay. Well, small little note when you because you said it, listen to Padme. When Ahsoka thinks to herself or meditates to herself, it's not in her voice. It's in Padme's voice. That's who, that's who she hears. And I'm like, now that just tells you something. Yes. She doesn't hear her former master's voice. She hears Padme's voice. Yes. And if everybody had listened to Padme in the prequels, would have saved a lot of trouble. Yes. I agree. And with they that. should have kept that Senate scene with her in Attack of the Clones. They shouldn't have deleted that scene. No. That was so important. Then she does nothing senatorial. Right. Well, and it's interesting that you say that because there's that there's that specific line in The Last Jedi 
that Leia says to Poe, referring to Haldo, about, um, you know, she was more more concerned or more interested in protecting the light than, than seeming like a hero. That seeming like a hero, yeah. Right, and that is Padme to a T. Yes. So, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, so we get the original Thrawn trilogy, which is my favorite Star Wars books and some of my favorite books ever, which I'm rereading right now for uh, yes, okay. Nice series, even though I know it's going to be very different. The fact the heir to the Empire gets mentioned a couple times. And there's probably going to be a few little things that are like, ooh. That's when Captain Pelion showed up in The Andalorian. I that lost my mind. I'm like, it's there. There he is. Yay. <laughs> With the mustache and the sideburns. And yay. <laughs> there's that. And then, you know, Rook showing up in Rebels. Yes. There's there's these little connections to the original Throne trilogy. Yes. I which agree. are awesome. So then we jump after that into the first Star Wars books I ever read, which are an interesting series of junior novels called the Jedi Prince series. Ooh. I don't know if you ever recall these because these were not very, even like junior novels, so they weren't exactly known by everybody, but these are the first Star Wars novels I ever read. Okay. It's a series of, let me count, uh, one, two, three, five, six, six novels um, about the prophets of the dark side and a Leia robot lookalike and Gather the Hutt's dad and a, a guy with three eyes who claimed to be the son of Palpatine. <laughs> Let's just say complete lunacy. I was just going to say, wow. <laughs> I saved the whales thing, but not Pergil whales. Yeah, so not books that are remembered. They just are, and they were kind of weird and silly and absorbed of the hut. That's Jabba's dad. Yeah, it, it weird. But those are the first I ever read. And those came out in 1992 and 1993. Okay. And 93 also received, saw the release of the Truce of Bakura. Yes. Mm -hmm. With the Siruvi. And <laughs> their weird putting people's brains in computers thing. The early days of Star Wars novels was very strange, yes. Yeah. No, do you wonder that today? Yeah, that's what I'm just thinking of all the AI stuff. I'm sorry. Just but then the brains first... in the computers. I'm sorry. Just but then the next books that really leapfrogged off of the Throne trilogy were mm -hmm. the Jedi Academy trilogy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Kevin J. Anderson. Have you read these? A long time ago, but yes. Yes. And these, of course, would be uh Jedi Search. Dark Apprentice and Champions of the Force. Mm -hmm. Which is about, for those who don't know, Luke's searching for the first student's Jedi Academy. 
and also the spirit of Exar Kun, an ancient Sith Lord, trapped in one of the temples on Yavin. Really interesting stuff in these books that really uh, expands upon what really became like the canon before there was canon. Right, sure. And the old legends continuity, which I would say these books are absolutely worth reading. Even though they're legends because there's things in them that are being borrowed. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Now, 1994, which is the year that this trilogy came out, also saw the release of The Courtship of Princess Leia. Yep. One of the stranger entries in the air. But our first time getting our our witches being mentioned. Yes, the Night Sisters of Dathomir. Mm-hmm. Yep. Riding on Rancors and one of them even having the hots for Luke Skywalker. And, yep. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, well, that, that might have worked out. Um, the thing about the Chulunthor, which is a Jedi ship that crashed there. And then, of course, this one guy from the Hayton Consortium joined in there, Princess Leia. So this ends up being the book where Han proposes to Leia and they get married. And this takes place eight ABY, so a year before the throne trilogy. Okay. Yeah. But it also involved a gun that could control people's minds. So, yet again, got some weird stuff going on here. And yeah, did you ever get a chance to read that one? I did read that one and it again it's been a while um but i did read that one i do like um princess and the, princess and the scoundrel so much better mm-hmm. um <laughs> it's just me but i do like that one so much better um but there there is a legends book that really stands out for me it's one of those books that i still say doesn't really contradict much um and yeah. you could probably still use it for today i think um I think specifically because of how I feel about Shmi, uh, Tatooine mm. Ghost. That was oh. a really, really good book. Oh, um, okay. That is when Leia and Han go to Tatooine um, together. Just them, no Luke. And they're there because supposedly there's a black market art piece from Alderaan from her castle Uh and she's going to get it but they stumble you know into a lot of different things and they find the Lars homestead Mm -hmm. and the new people there that reside there give her this holocron diary and Mm. she doesn't know what it is like who is on it but it's her grandma it's me and this is why I think it would really play out well is that it has a diary up until every day that Anakin leaves until the day, obviously, she's taken after picking mushrooms off the evaporators. And yeah. she leaves a message to Anakin every day about what she's been up to, how much she misses him, how she was promised she would you know, be able to have contact with him. But she doesn't know why she has never received any letters or anything mm. from him, because obviously she doesn't know Qui-Gon died. So, um, but anyway, that being said, it was, it's a really moving uh, story because Han actually finds empathy for Anakin when they stumble upon 
the whole ghost of Tatooine is Anakin mm-hmm. because of what he does to the Tusken Raider village. Yeah. So he actually sides with Anakin and Leia's like mortified. He goes, Hey, he was 19. You know, he watched his mom get murdered. Like who wouldn't do that? So he actually <laughs> sympathizes and she's just like <laughs> stunned. It's not what she wanted Han to say, but that's how Han felt. Um, so interesting. Okay. it is very interesting, you know, and she hears about another side of her father, which is he's a, he's kind of a living legend there because he's the first mm-hmm. human to win the Bunta Eve. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it was an interesting insight, you know, to things. I think it could actually still work mm-hmm. with where we are. Um, yeah, but interesting. Yeah, it, it's a very good read. I recommend it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Well, then we get also in 1994, The Crystal Star. Okay. Which is not a book I read, which is considered the worst Star Wars novel. I don't know much about it, but that's all I really have to say about that one. I've now, never 1995, we actually get a bunch of books. We get the Corellia trilogy where Han Solo goes back to Corellia where his cousin who's quite evil has taken over Corellia. And it's a big all-out thing going on in the system. It's a powerful space station in the middle of the star system with a really deadly weapon on it. Um, And this is really the first adventure with the Skywalker, with the solo Skywalker twins, Jason and Jaina, and and their brother Anakin. This is really like the first big adventure with them. And it's interesting because also in that year, we begin the Young Jedi Knights series. Which is about Luke training his niece and nephew at his Jedi Academy. Now, I read probably seven or eight of these in this series. And I got to say, it's not, it's very badly written, but I enjoyed the read. At the time, I was like 13. I totally would read it now and go, uh. <laughs> but that series was, was definitely something big for me. But also in 95, we get Children of the Jedi, which, uh, and, uh very strange, very different Star Wars book. Involving another love interest for Luke. Mm-hmm. Alista Ming. And then also that your Dark Saber. In which a cousin of Jabba the Hutt builds a replica of the Death Star's targeting laser that has to be stopped by the rebels, of course. Um, that usual stuff. And you know, these are interesting reads. We also get the Tales from Mosley's Cantina and Tales from Jabba's Palace, which are basically the, the from the certain point of view books before there was from the certain point of view. And then we get the X Wing series. Did you read any of that? No, I did not. I really didn't start diving into the books until, oh my gosh. I want to say during the prequels and I would go yeah, to the library with my kids. And that's when I really started reading them. But I, I don't think that that's one that I 
I don't think that's a series that, that I got into. I think um, I've read three of the X-Men books, I think. Okay. And also that year we get the probably the least known series, but the um, the Yavetha trilogy, which is one of the more obscure parts of Star Wars. Um, but one of the things that that also in 1986 is the year of the multimedia shows of the Empire. Pulled on an N64 game, comics, mm -hmm. and a novel. I've read the novel. I own the game. I still have my N64. I never read the comics, but that's kind of an interesting little side story. Did you ever get a chance to actually play Shadows of the Empire? No. Um, my son is the gamer. So, uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, I think the farthest back he's went into games, because again, he's 21, is um, the Bounty Hunter games. Um, mm. Yeah, so, yeah, he's okay. been, yeah, he's been a big Mando fan for a very long time. You know, he actually, for a long time, until the Book of Boba Fett came out, was more of a Django fan. Mm. Love Django Fett. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big Django fan. So, it's interesting how, you know, looking at it through different entry points where their fandom goes, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, my son is definitely a big Mandalorian, big clones fan, you know, not Stormtrooper, clones, big difference. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. So, you know, they start to, as, as the years go on, more and more Star Wars novels start to come out almost to the point of, there's no way anyone who was reading in the 90s could have kept up with it. Oh, no, 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 no. absolutely not. They, they just keep going. We get the Hand of Thrawn duology. We get the Han Solo trilogy. We get the Galaxy of Fear novels. We get it just it, it just goes on and on and on. Um, yes. But where things really take an interesting turn is in 1999. Obviously, with Phantom Menace, of course, uh, but also the beginning of the New Jedi Order series. Mm -hmm. The Yuuzhan Vong Invasion of the Galaxy. Now, I've read six of these books in this series. Um, another controversial opinion, the Yuuzhan Vong are way overpowered. And that those those books almost became just ridiculous. In the amount of let's kill off people left and right, let's let's make things as horrible as humanly possible. And even more depressing than some of the higher public books. Yeah, and the higher public uh, books are actually good. <laughs> they're awesome. Yeah, they did a phenomenal yeah, job but with that. Yeah, the yeah the New Jedi Order trilogy saga. Was it 12, 13, 14 books of nothing but pain? And an enemy that is somehow immune to the force. That definitely doesn't fly anymore. Is <laughs> the idea of an enemy that is immune to the force. Yeah, that's scary. Um, and then I kind of lose track because I haven't read anything really past that. 
But that brings us, of course, to 2014. And as we get toward the end of our, our episode here, we get, of course, probably the biggest event in the history of Star Wars novels, which is the new canon. Now, I've read most of the new canon books. I was determined that I was going to read all of them. Um, I, I have not. <laughs> but I have read every High Republic novel. They are phenomenal. Um, yeah, actually, you know, A New Dawn is where they kick off. Yeah, exactly. And, I've read that one. Oh, my gosh. What a phenomenal book. It's I a mean, fun book, yeah. You know, I'm actually hoping I, I'm other than I think um, Squadrons, which is a video game. Yeah. We haven't seen Ray Sloan. I want mm. to see her in this Ahsoka series. I really think she should be. Like I was, we we came so close. Yeah, in the I Mandalorian. Might be her in series. <laughs> right with the whole shot with the whole Shadow Council. Like, I think it's possible that Hux was her emissary. Possibly. Okay. <laughs> At I least mean, that's I, what I'm hoping. Right, you know, and I would love to see. I. I do. I again, it's that conflict that I'm just so drawn to. I would love to see Ray Sloan and Hera come face to face. Can you imagine the tension now? Oh wow! Oh wow! The tension now <laughs> that Kanan's not there because he had such a prominent moment with Ray in that yes, book. He did. You know the whole flirting with her, just trying to. Yeah. <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> exactly. I think he says um, to her. Yeah. Yep. I mean. So I just think that would be an interesting, you know, moment to work with. But again, it's not up to me. <laughs> so, but yeah, I would love to see her again. But yeah, I think that's one thing I can say, because um, we were just talking about it with the old Legends books. If things got so wacky and I'm okay with yes. wacky to wacky's a degree, fine. you know, wacky's fine, but there were so many hiccups, you know, where in one story this is happening, but yet no, that now that didn't happen and and this happened. You know, a lot of hiccups happen yeah. in the Disney yeah. era right now. We don't have that. You know, everything is very much cohesive. Any um, contradiction is minor. Right. And I think they learned that when they did the Force Awakens novel and they didn't it, they released it before the film, and there was that contradiction there with the way where the wound on Finn was in the mm, in the film yeah, it's one yeah. way in the book it's the other yeah so one way it's the front the other way it's down the back um and after that now they release the adaptation of the novel for the film at the same time as the release of the film yes, yes. and that's smart because they learned yes. because we our fandom is so picky <laughs> yes we are we are and, very much so so and they learned that so yeah, I mean, that's the one thing I can say. And as you mentioned, High Republic. Yeah. That initiative is just, yep. it blows my mind. What do they how, call it? Project, Project Starlight? Is what they yeah. Called it. All of it, you know, yeah. I mean. It's it, so great to have this great interconnected story. Yes. It's, and it it's, works. And it works. And it works. And there's a lot of pain. Yes, a lot of pain. A lot but of pain. thankfully, the final uh, phase is coming up. Yes. So half the end say, I guess that we have to say goodbye. Oh, I am too. Some characters, yeah. but happy because it's continuing the story. 
Yes. I mean, and, and then maybe we get after the Nile will finally be defeated. <laughs> right. Let's fingers crossed. Yes. Um, so again. Yeah. I mean, we do get to follow Vern a little longer, though, because uh, she yep. will be an acolyte. Yep. That Yay. was a happy reveal, by the way. I was. Yes, it was. I'm very like, happy. Seriously? Very <laughs> that was wonderful to hear. Vern. Yay. Yay. I know. So, very excited. After 2013, with the recanon thing, mm -hmm. we get quite a string of books. Yes. Well, uh, a New Dawn, as you mentioned, then Tarkin. Mm hmm. Heir to the Jedi, Lords of the Sith, Dark Disciple, Lost Stars, and Aftermath. Yeah. Uh, those all came out within like a year of each other. Yeah. Uh, Lords, now, of all those books, Lords of the Sith, I think is fantastic. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, talk yeah, about so pain. Good. Talk so about good. pain. Yes. Also just, I think I read it in two days or something. It was like crazy. Mm-hmm. And then Lost Stars. Lost Stars is fantastic in so many ways. Yeah, that made me a Claudia Gray fan for life. So yep. <laughs> Claudia, for, for light and life and Claudia Gray. Exactly. I mean, what a great story that is in weaving it through the original trilogy. All the way up to the Battle of Jakku. Right. Yeah, good stuff. Now, I have not read Dark Disciple. Have you? <gasps> it's a must. Sorry. It's a must. Okay. it's a must. It was not what I thought we were going to get. Uh, Christy Golden is phenomenal. Um, she really does a wonderful job with the characters. Again, we talked at the top of your show about um, Mace for, I, I guess, for lack of a better term, for being a jerk. Um, yes. We get a little bit of that in the beginning in the book. Um, so, you know. She stays the course and stays true to the character. Um, <laughs> but Ventress, Asajj, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. um, what an arc. Um, I have never, other than um, Shadow of the Sith, I have never cried so hard in a book. Oh, we'll get to Shadow like, of the Sith. Wet pages. <laughs> I had wet pages. Oh my word. Yeah, wow. I mean, just be ready for a disaster an emotional disaster but that's it's it's beautifully done <laughs> it, it, it takes a lot to get me to cry to book the books i've cried at are the lord of the rings yeah yeah she's i cried again, at the books and yeah. i cried at a tale of two cities okay okay now i cry easier at movies i cry at movies all the time sure sure books i mean we'll see be interesting yeah. to see um the aftermath. Have you read the aftermath trilogy? The whole thing, yes. Yes. Okay. I have not. So I missed out on that one. I recommend but it. I know that people talk about it now. Claude Dance. Mm-hmm. Claude exactly. Dance was taken from the book and now yes. he's in, in Mandalorian. John Favreau's like, who is this guy? I like this. So yeah. <laughs> I was and in total shock. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So that was exciting to get these characters from books brought into mm-hmm live action and then of course we get in the next year we get the ahsoka novel which i haven't read uh the second aftermath uh novel in 2017 we get the third aftermath novel and the start of the new throne trilogy which i did read i read the throne trilogy and the throne ascendancy trilogy 
And then again, all of which are pretty interesting. I get Phasma, which I have to admit I've not read. But I know it gives some interesting insight into Phasma. And Leia, Princess of Alderaan, which is a book that I have not read that I've heard so many people talk about. It's so good. I would like to definitely add that to my reading list at some point. I would specifically now because it does overlap with the time frame of Andor. So there's mm -hmm. a specific moment in that book that I'm hoping we get to see in the second season of Andor. Because mm. it would fall okay. into that timeline and I'm so I'm just waiting for it. <laughs> I think I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course we get all these other books that in recent years that I've not caught up on except of course the higher public um january 5th 2021 is when it all began hard to believe that it hasn't been that long i know we've gone on such a journey and i gotta say that avar chris elzer man and stellan gls are the three musketeers of star wars and i love avar chris and i have a feeling that if she were real, I'd have a crush on her. You know, in a way, she's the Galadriel of Star Wars. Yes! Oh, in definitely. Fact, the actress who played Galadriel in um, The Rings of Power would make a perfect I can see Chris. it. I can see it. Yeah. So, and, and I'm still going along with the uh, with the High Republic, and it's an exciting thing over phase three. Is coming soon, I think at the end of this year. Mm -hmm. October, I believe, yeah. I believe, yeah, let's see. Um, yeah, yep, yep. So I cannot wait to see where it goes next. But anyhow, that's kind of a general overview of all the books. Um, and what's interesting about Star Wars is that the stories can continue. And in the book, your only limit is your imagination. And so, you know, like all people, I'm just, I imagine that I would love to write a Star Wars book. I'm sure you would too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Many people I think would want to. Oh, yeah. But if you look at sort of the years between, between about 1991, 1999, books are what kept Star Wars alive. Yes. And in even in the, in the 10 years between then to the Sith and Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. Books kept Star Wars alive. Yes, they did. Yes. So books, and, and like we always say, as you, you, you and Mark always say on your podcast, animation is Star Wars. Don't shortchange it because it's animated. And I would also add, don't shortchange it just because it's a book. Absolutely. The storytelling in the books can be just as impressive as the movies. And if not more, because like you just if said, your only limit is your imagination. You know, how yes. far will that take you? And the thing is, though, this is it. The book community is so different. I don't think we're as, I think we're more positive about the books because it's an investment. You have to, you know, take the time to read it. Yeah. It doesn't take much to sit down and just watch something, but you and have to. Yeah, right. Reading isn't, you know, it's an investment of your time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you're not going to keep reading it if you don't care for it. So 
And that's just it. You have to put the work in. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of these stories, like I say, I mean, I really wish more people would read them so they yeah. can understand where I'm coming from when I've I talk about something. I've got to catch up on. Yeah, I mean, and there's your podcast just... has certainly helped with that. <laughs> well, that's just it. I think Alphabet Squadron is a great trilogy, mm, yes. especially when it comes. Those I had not read either, so I got it. Yeah, I mean, one thing we said when we talked about those books was that our general in that in in those books is. Hera she's the Leia in those yep. books you know she's in charge um you don't get much Leia it's all Hera um, and all hail Vanessa Marshall and oh Mary absolutely she has my heart um yeah I, I really hope I get a chance to meet Vanessa Marshall someday. she's wonderful absolutely I would, wonderful I, mean, I would fall in love with her because of those eyes oh my word <laughs> she is as sweet as Hera is, I'm not. I'm yes. not kidding. I've had the opportunity mm-hmm. to meet her and talk with her several times. She's just a delight, and we're truly lucky to have her on on board. You know, I mean, she's a gem. So I absolutely agree. Yeah. So as we come to the end here, do you have a single favorite Star Wars novel? Oh, that's so hard. Again, it's like choosing in between children. Um, I want again, to speak to you the most. I'm sorry, which one speaks, one to, you the speaks most? to you the most? Yeah. Well, for me, that would always be Matthew Stover's Revenge of the Sith mm, adaptation. Yes. Um, I love the whole poetic metaphor in what he's suffering with the whole sun dragon. Yeah. See, now, if, if I could do some sort of a, I guess, a storyline, I would love to do like how, you know, George Mann has done Myth and Fables. Yes, I would love to do myth and fables based on Tatooine coming from Shmi's bedtime stories of like the Ooh. sun dragon, the crate dragon, all those types of things. I would love to do that. That'd There's, be really fun. Yeah, that would be nice. Right. And we need um, more Shmi. We need more. We Shmi. need more Shmi. Shmi row. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Matthew Stover's book really speaks to me, which is why I think Rise of the Red Blade. I absolutely just love because mm-hmm. non-spoiler wise, that would be to me, that book is a love letter to Matthew Stover's book. So mm, okay. there you go. Yeah. Very nice. So as we close, I got to ask a big question. Okay. Really quickly, what does Star Wars mean to you? It means hope. <laughs> hope that things can get better and things yep. will. You know, I mean, it's it's ongoing. It's, you know, it'll be here after I'm gone. It yep. just keeps going. And I think that's something that's huge. It's everlasting. It's ever changing. Um, that's one of the things, I guess, or one of the big reasons why I've stuck with it is that I don't know a Star Wars fan that hasn't said to me or agreed with me that when you go back and rewatch these movies or the shows, but we'll stick with movies for now, they change. And how mm. you look at them through your own life experiences. As you grow, those films change mm-hmm. and they mean something different each time. And I think that's huge. I don't know any other franchise that can do that. You know, so when I got to see Luke, you know, grumpy Luke, get off my mm-hmm. lawn, Luke. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can relate to that, you know, because yes. I'm that I'm, I'm in that age frame. And, now. To, and to those listening, I have preached from the high heavens. That that is not out of character. It's not. People change. 
Yes. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. It's the only way we grow. Ah, yeah. Padme. Ah. Give give Mark Hamill an Oscar for that role. Yes, I agree. Uh-huh. Awesome. Yeah, I mean hope and hope is what we need right now. Absolutely. Yes. It's so easy to get on the news, get on social media, and go, there's no hope for the future. Star Wars is there to say, hey, there is hope. Even in the darkest times, don't give up. And if ever we need that message more, it's right now. Well, Becca, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show today. I hope to have you back again, you and Mark, possibly. That would be wonderful. Or, or you, because you're so wonderful. Oh, thank you. It's been a, it's been my pleasure. But I mean, I'm sure I cannot wait to see what you think about the Ahsoka series. I can't wait to see what I think about the Ahsoka series. And we're getting more nubs August 2nd. Yes. Nubs yes. Nation. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. Wouldn't it be interesting if nubs ever appeared in live action? I would be okay with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would be, that would be just awesome. I love so, it. Becca, where can the people find you promoting nubs? Um, they can find me. Uh, gosh, I'm on all social media at you are Angel B. Um, you can also follow Tarkin's Top Shelf on all social media at Tarkin's Top Shelf. You can email us at ttspodfeedback at gmail.com. And of course, listen to I think I Top did. Shelf. I think I did a couple months ago. Oh, wonderful. I hope I answered. I kind of I don't recall getting an answer, but that's okay. All right. Well, I will have to go back into my archives and look at that. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully it went through. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, definitely email us and of course listen to us wherever you catch your pods. We should be everywhere. If not, let me know. Um, and I'll make sure that we get on there. But yeah, thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. I cannot wait to have you on again. And of course, as we, we must say, for light and light. For light and light. We are all the Republic. So everyone, thank you for listening. My name is Brennan Murray. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. Thank you for tuning to the Guest Awakens presented by Page Turners. They were not my Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you.